How's it going? Welcome to Career Dissection. Um, I'm Apoorva Mistra and I'm a grad student at University of Waterloo. I moved from India to Canada two years back and I completely understand when we have to make tough choices for a career. So this podcast is just about that. There are a number of times when children have to make tough decisions for their career and they don't even know what each of the career choices entail. So this podcast is supposed to lift the curtain and show you what each career choice entails. In this first episode, we are going to interview two people. They are Dr. Anna and Dr. Mark. And how did they go about choosing to be a doctor and what's happening with their lives right now? I'm, the, um, I have a, I'm a nephrologist mm-hmm. and the director of Home Hemodialysis at Grand River mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in Kitchener, Waterloo, Wellington, local health integration network. Where we don't call them LINS anymore, um, but that region. We, uh, I, um, I'm also the um, uh, a staff nephrologist, obviously there. Um, I've, um, that's part of my professional life. A lot of my work is administrative. Uh, I was part of the Ontario Renal Network, so I was one of the initial architects of the Ontario Renal Network, and essentially started this as a group of people, um, and that got the government together coordinate renal services, kidney services on Ontario. This was way back in 2007 uh, as the initial. I don't know if you know what the Ontario Renal Network is, but it's a huge agency that coordinates renal services, kidney services, with a $700 million budget in Ontario to try to improve quality and, and patient care and, and patient satisfaction and consistency of, of kidney services in Ontario. It's a huge agency. So I was, I was part of that. And a lot of that had to do with my master's, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, health policy, informatics, understanding database management and and, tech, and how to use and leverage technology to to collect information and use that information wisely and uh, and, and, and to make good good decisions on a on a sort of a wider system scale and, and how to change policy to improve and, and improve consistency in services, right? So this is this is how, why the masters, and so so that was my other roles. Um, also, a former Ontario, uh, the um, former chair and president of the Ontario Association of Nephrologists and the Ontario Medical Association Nephrology Chair. So I just finished a large stint uh, with that. Um, so that's my that's my nephrology job title, but my. Um, my business job title is I'm the, the uh, CEO and co-founder of First HX Corporation. Okay, so I'm Anna. Uh, I'm a doctor from Brazil, mm-hmm. and I moved to Canada since 2015. Um, and since then, I, I've been in a journey, an interesting journey, <laughs> to discover a lot of things about my career and uh, who I am as a person, and um, strengths and weaknesses, etc. Okay, um, that's good. So you were in Brazil before, and then you moved to Canada. Uh, was yes. there any specific reason of moving to Canada? Yes, um, I'm married. So uh-huh. my husband is Brazilian, but he lives in Canada for about nine years, and um, I spent quite a lot trying to decide if I should move because I was very stable. I had a very stable career in Brazil.
say, oh, I, I just bought a car and that, at that moment I, uh, I was working in the emergency department, you know, doing my own thing. So after we married, I had to choose between stay in Brazil and have all the things that were familiar to me or move to Canada and perhaps start all over again or not, you know, but I had this option. But that's the thing. It's interesting because I guess since I was a kid, I wanted to move to North America. I didn't think in the beginning of Canada, I always envisioned like something more common for third world countries. Like, oh my God, I'm going to move to the USA. Uh, but this was a wish of mine since early age. And I guess, you know, when you have the opportunity, you kind of lean towards it, even though you have to face some serious decisions and um, like a, a real hard shake on your life and your career. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into medical field? Was there... Yeah any incidents that took place or was there your family influencing you which happens a lot in third world countries a bit of both actually it's not i didn't have any incident incidents but i used to have my an aunt that i consider like a grandmother for me because she basically raised me in part of my my childhood and she used to have like severe crisis of asthma and uh, I guess since an early age, this motivated me to be a doctor. So I, I used to, to tell my mother, I'm going to be a doctor when I grow up, you know, that kind of thing that you say, like, I'm going to be astronaut, <laughs> I'm going to be a doctor. But, but my mom uh, really, I can say that she can, she really influenced me. Um and decided being a doctor because she was like almost fixated with this um, career choice. In third world countries, it's common for parents, especially for parents, to think that you can only succeed if you are in a law school or you're being a doctor. And there are no other careers for you and you're gonna like be miserable and don't have any money to raise your family, to, to grow your kids, etc. So, yeah, I think it was a mix of many things that influenced me. So, so I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna start off uh, by saying, um, I started my career. So I'm, I'm technically mid-career, uh-huh. right? So if you look at me, uh, I started university in 1993. Okay, just to give you the idea. So if, so if you think about 1993 and you think about what we had in 1993. Well, we kind of barely had the internet, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. so people don't realize that that uh, there were a lot of people who were before their time, and we understood uh, technology before our time. So, so think if you think about starting in '93, um, I already had an interest in medicine well before that. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning, I was a, a young child. I, I think I was like five or six years old. You know. So, um, so who, so who, um, so, so part of my background initially before even starting university was actually technology and information systems and informatics. Uh, and this was even before we had, um, we had real 
real significant computing power and transfer of information and, and quick transfer of data, right? We started young, uh, you know, I was, what, 16 years old um, and, and was interested back then, interested in science and, uh, and, and technology and how the body and technology kind of uh, work together, which is sort of bizarre. So how do you kind of leverage technology? And this is, again, before AI, the, the real AI came to be. Um, and, and then med school was 1997. Um, internal medicine was 2001, um, you know, starting 2001. Internal medicine went from 2001 to 2004. And then nephrology went from 2004 to 2006. And then I did a master's in, um, in informatics and health policy at uh, U of T um, in 2006 to 2008. Uh, but that was like um, during work. But before that, I I was into and then I so well this was this was a an informatics health policy masters and it was called health health HPME health policy management evaluation so it's uh -huh. technically like a an MBA for healthcare right so my interests were uh, were they were like. Um, I wanted to do something in management, but more high-level management. Mm -hmm. uh, this was early in my career, but realized the good thing about this degree is it's kind of like an MBA for healthcare, and you get an understanding of healthcare systems, health policy. I, I, I kind of did a lot of um, um, quality improvement, you know, as part of the master's, mm -hmm. and, and it was a really nice master's that I was able to do at night while I was working full-time. So, so that was, it, it was supposed to help with my future plans, which were health administration, but then I realized it actually helped with my business that started well before then, right? Mm -hmm. So it all kind of worked together. My master's was, whenever, whenever you do something, you do things to either uh, improve understanding of a subject area, uh, um, give you some sort of credibility, Right? So when you go to someone or a company or a hospital, they see you've got discipline, you've got some extra, ex you've got a way to, uh, to define yourself and, and separate yourself from other people. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's whenever people do masters and combine degrees, multiple degrees, and have all these different interests, it makes them more unique, so more desirable. Right? So this is, the, this is part of the game as well, you know, to try to kind of make that but you also want to do things that are useful right you want to do things you enjoy so i i liked i liked the interaction of technology policy quality improvement patient satisfaction all of that together mm -hmm. that's what the masters did right so let's let me go back uh okay so that's that's obviously a high level uh part of me me that's my that's sort of my professional stuff mm -hmm. right uh, I, I went to so I, so I went to U of T, then U of T, then I went to Western, then I went to Queens, then I went back to U of T. That was my that was the degree. Okay, so in Brazil we have we go to high school and after high school we have to do like a a yearly test when you like uh, enroll and you pay the tax and then you choose your career like oh, I'm gonna do medicine then you take there. And it's a yearly test that you do basically with everyone that got out from high school. Oh, 
So after that, if you pass the test and with enough enough grades to to enter the med school, you go and do the whole med school, six years of university, and then you are able to get your license and work. Many physicians stop in this moment, so they, they choose to pursue the, the practical field and go to work and, and do not do any specialties because you're allowed to work anyways. And many of us try to go through specialties to to be specialized, to, to earn more money, to um, get in the field that you really, really are, are interested besides the general thing. I talk to younger people, people who are um, who are interested in this stuff. I, I try to explain to them a lot of these, a lot of these skills are transitive, you know, and the the profession you do is kind of like a, it's kind of like an outlet, you know, just because I'm a physician, doesn't mean I, I don't use you know, uh, you know, communication skills or technology technology skills or or um, uh, skills with, you know, with conflict management, you know, all of these skills are just general skills, and I just use I just use it in different in different industries, you know. So, mm. so um, you know that that is a first HX was interesting. Mm. So the concept of this came about in actually 1997. Okay, so think about 1997. Think about artificial intelligence. Uh, think about computing. Uh, think about the fact that there was no iPhone, right? Think about that. Think about 1995. Um, just after the internet first really started, okay? And and, um, and when I when I in 1997, when um, when the when I started medical school. Um, you know, at first I was like, I was obviously happy, proud. This was, a, 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 this is something I've wanted since I was five years old. You know, uh, telling my parents, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. My my dad's a, a, an engineer. You know, it's you know we're we're more in in, in, in space, uh, aerospace. You know, and uh, and um, not aerospace like uh, uh, airplanes. Uh, not necessarily aerospace engineering, but like uh, uh, he he um, he did. Uh, did some degree, some some type of engineering, right? And so very technical, uh, very mathematical, uh, very mechanical. Uh, my brain works that way as well. Very mechanical, technical, mathematical. Um, and you know, he. You, know, you think about what they want for you, what you want for yourself. You, I kind of wanted all of it. I wanted medicine, but I also wanted engineering, technology, and computers. So that's. And the question is, how do you get all that? Um, so, in '97, uh, me, uh, a friend of mine, Dr. Ellenson, Roman Ellenson, um, and another, the other person on the company is, is Ziv Kenneth. He's a, the, a computer person. He he wasn't he wasn't part of the initial plan. Uh, he came a lot after, uh, afterwards. And so, me, Roman, another person at the time, but we came up with this, this concept of how do you Make the the uh, the process of of history taking more efficient. Okay, 
And this was in first-year medicine. This is before anything. We're like, how do you, there has to be a better way. So we actually started, technically started the company at that point, 1997, 1998, the concept. And it, we actually had a initial version of the company using tablet computers, uh, all wired tablet computers, because we didn't have really good wireless back then. Uh, everything was hardwired. Uh, everything we used Windows 95 and Windows 98. Think about those those systems. And we used very first generation tablet computing, big, huge, clunky tablets. So we didn't have the technology, but we had the idea of how do you use existing technology to automate history taking. And we know that people have tried this in the 70s, in the 60s, 1960s, 1970s, but they didn't have the technology, right? So when you look at technology uptake, you know, you need a certain amount of computing power, you need a certain amount of, of, of chip computing power, right? You need, you need the hardware to be small enough and it, for it to compute fast enough to get the, the dividends, the, the dividends, the payment on, on, your, uh, on your automated history taking. Because otherwise, the existing process will be better, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if you can't make a better process using technology, the existing process will win, right? So there has to be a certain amount of activation energy to change a process. So whenever you try to change something in medicine, it needs to be well, you understand by activation energy what I mean? That initial amount of effort in, in a chemical reaction, activation energy is that initial amount of energy required to, to finally get the process or the reaction to occur, right? So. So it's the same idea. How do you? What's the catalyst? So the catalyst was the process was poor, but we knew that we can probably develop a better process. So believe it or not, we came up with the first versions. And the first versions of this was actually a diagnostic engine. So it, it was able to diagnose, and it did a really good job. Okay, uh, and I used it during my fourth year medical school in my emergency department rotation, just to see how good it was compared to my, my staff. I didn't tell, I didn't tell that any of the staff members that I was doing this, because I wanted to see how good the thing was. And I just did it, you know, in a very uh, rudimentary way, in a non, non-scientific way, you know, where we did a randomized trial. I didn't do that, but I, um, I used it for myself as well to see, boy, if I ran through systems, could this do it, you know? And, um, we had the idea of, of a patient delivery system using the patient as the a resource as opposed to a hindrance, mm -hmm. you know? Because really the patients, this is all about the patients, right? But this is not about doctors. This isn't about computer engineers. This isn't about government. None of that really matters, right? Like that's not the purpose of medicine. The purpose of medicine is, is you, have, you have someone in front of you they have something, you use whatever skills, technology, or whatever else you have to make them feel better and figure out what they have, right? That's, yeah. that's really what this is about. This is not about money. This is not about uh, how happy is the physician, how happy is the government, how happy is any, this is about, you've got, you've got an issue, you've got to figure out a process, you have a, and it's very technical. You've got a process, and the process could be, you know, in your brain using heuristics. It can be in a computer using 
using neural networks. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as the person in front of you feels good, right? That's what matters. Um, and, and the money is secondary. I have to admit that I was very lost after some time doing... After I moved to Canada, I just embarked on a journey to really, really know myself because I got into med school with a really early age. Like, I got into med school at 16 years old. So when I was a teenager, I was learning how to acquire all the responsibility and the ethicals and the, everything that comes with a, a med school. So I can say that basically I spent my whole teenage years studying and doing grown-up stuff instead of um, really taking the time and really think if there was the right fit for me. So when I moved to Canada, I like had all the time in the world because I was not working. I just stopped with all my crazy routine and I started to think a lot of things like started to really, really get to know myself, to really know what I like, what I don't like. It was like a, a it's, it's kind of tacky, but it, it was like an almost a, a self-discovery thing. <laughs> so I was not happy with, even though I was moving forward with the tests to get my license back here, I really was not happy about the possible outcome of get, being a doctor again. I was tired. I was, you know, questioning every decision about it. So, um, and that's the thing. I really love other things like drawing, art, design, and stuff. And my husband recently also uh, did a career change for web development. And uh, he was talking to me like, why don't you do something with graphic design? Like, you like drawing, you like arts, you, you have a good eye for design, you have a good eye for it. Why don't you search anything related to it? Like, what is graphic design? <laughs> I didn't know, like, anything about medicine. Like, oh, what is it? Um, and then I, I witnessed uh, his career change. And um, it was interesting to see how he pursued something that really made him happy, you know? And I wanted that for me too, because at that moment I didn't feel I didn't feel happy with my career choice and everything that I was carrying with me. And then I sat in front of my computer and then okay, what is graphic design? And I typed it and I started to research a lot of things about it, and I kind of like it what the the career entails. And. Um, a lot of our friends are from IT too. And a lot of our friends suggested like, oh, there is this bootcamp uh, from user experience and there's this um, web development bootcamp. Why don't you take a look and see if you like? And then I researched uh, bootcamps related to design and I saw that bootcamp, the, the bootcamp that I'm currently enrolled to this brain station. And I really liked uh, the whole user experience thing because even though it's not designed I kind of did this throughout my whole career I kind of put patients in the center I kind of try to 
treat patients with the best of my abilities, try to really share decisions to make patients informed about everything they need to know about their cases. And uh, I think it's kind of a user experience that you apply in medicine, you know? Because if you, you try to work and bring the best results possible in a way that the patient is happy, in a way that the patient understands. And that's the similarity that I can find between medicine and UX experience and, and user experience design, actually. So it was not so hard for me to understand what user experience is because I applied this for many years in my career. Do you know, um, you know, had I known what can I tell you about what I know now? Um, first, I could tell you one thing. I, I have no regrets, okay? None of my choices that I've made, I've, re I've never regretted any choices that I've made. And the reason you can't is, whenever you make a choice, you have a certain set of variables that you make that choice with, right? And when you make that choice with a certain set of variables that you know, there's unknowns and there's knowns. The known variables you can kind of predict based on an independent, independent variable, right? And if you can think about it, because I, I think like this, when we designed and coded our system, this is how I think, okay? And when I make choices, you think about a computer and you think about a 25 variables and there are 25, and there are 24 planes of space. Do you know what I mean? So, so I think about them as degrees of freedom. And you think about all the ways you can come out with an outcome based on all these variables that come out with a point, right? Or well, not a point, but a plane, multi-plane surfaces. And when you think about this, you have to think, well, there's all these things that explain the outcome, and I don't know the unknowns. You can't have regrets for things because they're unknowns, and you have to make choices based on unknowns. And that's what medicine's about. You have a lot of information that you don't know, and you use your skill to figure out what the unknown variables are so you can come out with an outcome and predict that outcome on a graph. And that's how you do it, right? And you do it in your brain really quickly and you do technology to use it to do that as well. So so what do I tell people about the destination? Um, the destination is not the job, okay? The destination, uh, it, it's the, you're never gonna stop evolving or learning. You're using your skills to change uh, and use those skills to improve your further path. You never really stop moving, you know, because that's me anyway. I'm always in a state of uneasiness where, you know, there's always a better way to do something. There's always a more efficient way to do something. Uh, you should, you should. There's always a better way to improve patient outcomes. Do you know what I mean? So because of that, you shouldn't be stagnant. There's no sitting down and hanging out on your boat and in your vacation property you know that's if this is what people want in medicine they shouldn't be doctors okay that's my point is is uh you'll never stop and is the moment you stop learning you're going to make an error because the the information um the information isn't stagnant do you know what i mean so you always have to integrate more information and reassess those heuristics that you develop as a physician and if you don't then you're not good at this 
Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I'm so good at this. What I do recognize about myself is I recognize that um, I recognize that. I recognize that you can never know everything. Yeah, no, I made a complete switch. I did all my tests. I finished all because I don't like to like give up in the halfway. <laughs> so I proposed to like be in this project until the end. So I did it. I did all my tests. I did the English um, proficiency language tests. But in the end, I really saw that I was not happy, even though I could move forward with the project. So I decided really to flip and see and pursue things that also make me happy. I'm really in a place right now that I still cannot say if I regret it. I definitely fear a lot of things. A lot of things are completely new for me. Uh, but I, I cannot say that I, I regret it. Like from what I've learned recently, from what I've, I, it's a, a whole new universe for me. It's very exciting. I cannot say that I regret, but I, I kind of feel what is waiting for me ahead, you know, when I finish the course. Um, I make, because of nephrology uh, and because of these people that I deal with, these are very sick people that they're on the verge of death every single minute. And so you have to be very comfortable to take calculated risks. Uh, I'm not overly cautious. Um, I'm just, I just, I just integrate information and a lot of it fast enough and have had experience where I know where you where you need to take extra steps and where you don't need extra steps uh, and you have to do that you can't you can't rush this either you know a lot of people rush to make clinical decisions believe it or not when we make clinical decisions quickly in a more urgent emergent situation even in those situations we're very careful with how we say these things how, what our what our decisions are because these are decisions that can kill someone very fast you know so you got to know what you're doing, and you got to do it fast. But you have to do it in a calculated way. So I do have a good balance with that, but uh, I know where decisions can be very risky. Um, and you have to recognize that. And it just takes, medicine takes a long time to figure out. And, and what I tell uh, people that we teach, because I'm, I'm also, um, oh, I didn't say that about me. I'm also a, um, an assistant clinical professor of medicine at uh, McMaster. Uh, when I teach people these things, is I teach them that don't skip things. Detail is extremely important. Uh, you need to be good enough to sift through the detail, but still take that detail. But understand that you need to sift through it, get the information you need, kind of like a computer database abstracts information from each cell, you know, and they do it really fast. You've got to be able to figure out which cell to abstract the information from really, really quickly. And you'll get really good at it once you do it 10,000 times, or 100,000 times, or a million times. And there's no shortcut to that, you know? Just like there's no shortcut when you use AI. Change, integrate the information. You have to understand that there's ongoing learning. There's, there's a, the destination is, well, there is no destination. The, end, the ultimate endpoint is perfect patient, right? The patient does perfectly. 
That's the ultimate endpoint, and I think if you have the best quality of care for zero dollars, you know, with no, with no, uh, no morbidity, right? That's and no death. That's that's the ultimate, right? Oh God, I don't like to be a risk taker, not yet. <laughs> it gives me like <laughs> chills <laughs> because you have to. I learned to think really hard about decisions that I have to make because every decision I make can impact the life of a person profoundly. So I am kind of a person that I am not over cautious, but I really tend to think a lot in about situations and possible decisions. So risk taking for me comes with a lot of thought and a lot of, yeah, kind of overthinking sometimes, but you know, um, I, I, I cannot, like, I don't have, I don't think I have any balance for the being overcautious or risk bearing. I, I rather prefer to be overcautious. You have to be able to pivot pretty quickly. Um, if it, if something isn't going as planned, um, or taking a little too much time or the variables change and you got to think of other variables and you have to pivot, you have to change. And it's kind of what we did with our company, right? We've changed, we've pivoted with our company many times. That this is not, that it's the, the journey is the destination. You know, and other, other people, I haven't coined that term. Other people have coined that term that were, that are smarter than I am. And they said the journey is the destination. It's the, it's, it just means that the process of, of moving through life and doing things um, that you enjoy is part of your destination, right? And it, things won't go as planned. Um, there are changes. Well, there's coronavirus. Clearly, look at that. That's a big change. That's a big pivot for everybody in the world. And here we are now. Everyone's okay with online computing, you know, with online learning and distance distance uh, medicine and and adopting technology. And you know, whereas we needed we needed a catalyst for that before, and now it's accepted, right? Lucky to be born uh, with parents that, that gave me a good upbringing to, uh, to value education, you know, and not value money. Do you know what I mean? So um, the value in life should be, it should never be money. But making money to buy something that doesn't give you value, you know, isn't useful. Education is value. It's not the money isn't the what you should strive for. And this I tell young people when they try to want to go into medicine. Yeah, you might get paid to see a patient or you might get paid for this and who cares, right? But what is the what is, what does the money represent? The money represents the thanks you get for doing a task. But that's really not what's important. What you, what you should feel is, I did a task. Someone rewarded with me with money. But what I really want to be rewarded with is the fact that I did the task successfully. You go through life and you realize when you have a certain amount of money, getting any more of it doesn't make you happier. Do you know? Yeah. What is that going to do to you? You're going to buy a nicer car? Does, does that, like, what does that do? Unless you use the nicer car to like make a business of some sort so that you can employ someone so that you give them opportunity. You know, like there's something else to life, you know? Uh, 
And I think as I get older, I'm sort of realizing this more, especially when I teach my kids. My kids understand that what, what you need to value in life is education. It's your internal drive to do things, to make things better, to make the world better, to make patients' outcomes better, to make... That's what's important in life. And that's, I think, as a community, once people understand that, we're going to be better at this. You know what I mean? Um, I would suggest uh, when we get into med school and after you, you get there, you kind of don't understand what the whole thing is about, really the intangible things, the, the subjective part. So I would say if you're really interested in pursuing this career, talk to people. Like really talk about not the the romantic feel of the medicine that is really beautiful, but really talk what is it to work on the field, what is it to be away from your family, what is it to not having any holidays, what is like the burdens that come with the professions that you, you discover along the way. So you have to talk to people that are already in the field, talk to people about what medicine is becoming in the near future because medicine is changing. Um, one of the things that really upset me the most recently in medicine that I I noticed that medicine is becoming a commodity. So this is a personal struggle for me because I don't like most of the aspects of it. So understand how is to work on a hospital setting, uh, how is the chain of command, how the administrators uh, like run the hospital, you know. I don't have any experience with the Canadian health system, so I can only say, uh, I can only tell you my history from the point of view that from Brazil, from uh, my experience from Brazil. So this is one of the things that upset, upset me the most to really notice that medicine is, is coming to a point that Commercial interested like trumps the the real the real reason you do what you do. So understand not only what you're gonna bring to the table, but try to understand the setting, the environment that you're gonna work. This is very important because this is gonna uh, be part of your profession, be part of your daily routine, be part of your mental health, even. So, so when you do this stuff, you should always reflect um, at the end of the day uh, about what you've done in the day. Have you learned enough? Did you learn a new word? Did you help someone? Uh, what are you thankful for? What can you work on? Uh, these are values. You should write down your, your goals for the day, you know? You should read, you know, always read things. Uh, never stop uh, never stop reading you know whether it be fiction or nonfiction or the paper or books read something every day learn more information right 
Um, learn languages, you know what I mean? Just, just work your brain, make your brain work out a bit more. Um, so, so when you write down goals and you, you have a, a journal of jotting down ideas, it's important because then you might actually carry out those ideas. Um, what's the other thing that I could teach people and I, I teach the medical students is um, never discount anyone and their ideas, okay? So you might, you might be a person that says, oh, I'm, you know, you have people that are, that are, I'm so smart. As soon as you, you say that and you believe it and you say it to someone, it tells me that the person is not very smart. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and it's, and, and it means, and the reason why is I think if you, if you think that you, someone knows things, and I teach my kids this, because they think they know everything, because they're 13 and 11, right? As soon as you think you know everything, it tells me how little you know, because you realize how little there is you know. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I was telling you. The more I go through medicine, the more I learn about medicine, the more I realize I know very little. I realize that you can learn from everyone, whether they're educated or not, whether they're someone who lives on the street or someone who uses drugs or someone who is a CEO of a company. Everyone has something to stay, say and a story to tell and has value to add to your knowledge base. Um, well, it's, I think it's difficult for everyone when you take a hit from life, from career, from personal issues. You tend to overthink sometimes, you tend to like be sad and uh, uh, it's not that you, but you, you tend to, to question yourself in many things like what I did I like what I did wrong or what should I have done to like have a different outcome but eventually you get over it I think the most important thing is not to ever give up like we all gonna have problems we all gonna have hits life is gonna put you to your knees sometimes but I think you have to like live the feelings that you're feeling let them be like feel all you need to feel like let the whole thing go out and then breathe rest and put your head back into the right place and move forward i think this is the most important thing mm -hmm. it's not how many times you hit the ground but how many times you get up and fight again <laughs>